Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the X-Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network, and we're heard around the world on the Talkstar Radio uh, streaming audio, as well as our affiliate broadcast network throughout Canada, the United States, Central America, South America, the Caribbean, the Pacific Rim, Europe, and Asia. And as I said, the rest of the world, what little there is now, is uh, able to listen to us on TalkStarRadio.com streaming audio. My producer tonight is the one and only spandex kid from Gotham City, Batman. Batman, nice working with you again. And uh, I guess, Batman, this is the first time you and I have worked uh, since the beginning of the new year. So, buddy, happy new year to you, Batman, and uh, to the other people in Gotham City. Our guest this hour is Eugene Stovall, Dr. Eugene Stovall. And we're going to be talking about the conspiracy theory that explains blunder... In America, uh, let me see, old hands are not surprised at the United States muscling in on great Central Asian oil garab uh, with such gusto. And uh, t- tell me, uh, Eugene, how has conspiracy theories, how do they explain the blunders in America? And welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. I'm really delighted to be here and with your guests. Uh, such a wide listenership is, is, is very uh, delightful for me to be here. Oh, we're glad uh, you're here, sir. Thank you. Uh, conspiracy theories are are as old as time. Many of the conspiracy theories are explanations for political events when official explanations seem unsatisfactory. For example, mm. the many efforts to discredit the Warren Commission's report on the Kennedy assassinations are considered conspiracy theories. Yes. But there's another way of looking at conspiracy theories as well, as you know. Okay. It, it, it can be looked at as a method of inquiry. Uh, for example, like conflict theory or social contract theory or, or even uh, cons- uh, uh, disjointed incremental theories are, are really very well accepted among academic institutions and research institutions. Unfortunately, conspiracy theories aren't. Now, what, what constitutes a conspiracy theory versus an inquiry? Well, that's, that's a good question. Uh, let's, let's look at the inquiry. All right. Uh, if I were going to inquire into, say, the, the, the first Gulf War, mm-hmm. the consensus 
theory would, uh, a, a consensus theory would say, well, what happened was that Iraq attacked Kuwait, and the free world led by the United States responded and reestablished the rule of law. And this is pretty much what happened. And there's, there's no sense of a government cover-up here. Right. But on the other hand, a conspiracy theorist might say, well, look, there were at least two green light meetings between the United States and the ambassador. Uh, I'm sorry, two green light meetings between the ambassador to Iraq from the United States and the Iraqi head of state. In each of these meetings, uh, the Iraqi head of state told the ambassador that there were issues between Iraq and Kuwait that needed to be resolved one way or another. As a matter of fact, there was a deal on the table that said that Kuwait was going to pay back $9 billion in indemnification to Iraq. Um, but the ambassador from the United States told the Iraqi uh, president that uh, her boss, the Secretary of State, and his boss, the president, did not believe that there were any issues that affected the United States in this uh, dispute between Iraq and Kuwait. And so these two meetings are, are known as green light meetings. Uh, and then after these green light meetings took place, uh, Kuwait reneged on the deal. Instead of paying $9 billion in indemnification, they, they said they'd only pay $6 billion. The Iraqi president got upset, thinking they had the green light from the United States, then Iraq attacked. Dr. Stovall, please stand by. We have to take a two-minute commercial break. Dr. Eugene Stovall is my special guest. And uh, the good doctor and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exome continues. We're right here, live and around the world, on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We'll be back. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on both sides of the veil. Dr. Eugene Stovall is our special guest. His website is www.eugenestovall.com. Uh, Dr. Stovall, in your opinion, sir, what has been the greatest conspiracy in the history of the United States? <laughs> That's a, a pretty broad question. <laughs> For me, uh, in my most recent book, Blood and Brotherhood, I talk about uh, the Tulsa situation. And generally, the massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in in the 1920s, where 10,000 whites invaded the area that was occupied and where black people owned their homes Mm -hmm. and was completely decimated. Uh, Sinclair oil company came in with their planes and actually dropped dynamite and other explosives on the homes and the buildings that were owned by blacks and about a thousand blacks were killed and and the land that their homes and businesses stood on the Tulsa government actually condemned and allowed the oil companies to come in and purchase the the land that had been condemned for little or nothing, nothing back taxes and now you have you know, that whole area above the north of the railroad tracks, which is, you know, a big development by Tulsa, was formerly owned by blacks. That, I think, for me, is one of the biggest conspiracies because it was not just the fact that this uh, land was taken and these black people were murdered, but it was timed in such a way as to cover up the fact that the president of the United States was signing over the oil leases that were owned by the United States Navy Department over to a cartel that was actually headquartered in Canada and was led by such oil companies as I mentioned, Sinclair Sinclair, uh, Oil Company, as well as Standard Oil of California. So to me, the fact that all these black people died and lost all their their land, their possessions and all to cover up this, this oil a conspiracy, to me, was, was one of the greatest uh, conspiracies. Not only was it a conspiracy, but it was a travesty against humanity. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Stovell, why do certain events get classified as conspiracies? For example, the most recent one that I can think of is 
the September 11, 2001 attack on America. You have those who believe that there's a greater conspiracy that the United States government was actually behind this attack, and that is that the conspiracy behind this attack was to usher in the um, the New World Order. And uh, what is your opinion on that, as far as a conspiracy is concerned? As far as the conspiracy is concerned, well, I served in the United States Air Force. I served in, in SAC. I was an airman. Mm -hmm. Airborne radio repairman, and uh, every and I was on a mobility so that I could I was authorized to go off to some remote spot and if if in case the country was attacked uh, our bombers wouldn't be able to land back here we could go somewhere else and and there would be a whole team there that would be able to to fit the bomber and I was the radio person on, on that team so as a result. Uh, I was also, uh, at the SAC base that I was at, there was a, a wing of, of, of fighters uh, under, uh, not SAC, but Air Defense Command. And the Air Defense Command uh, had these F-104s and F-106s sitting on a, on a pod. Their flight crews were, you know, within running distance of their aircraft, and they were ready to go. They, if an alert happened, they would be off in less than five minutes between the time the alert was sounded and the time they took off. Now, getting to your question, Rob, my belief is, and, and, and I haven't really, I have no, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm, I write novels, and, mm -hmm. I, and, and so I'm, I don't have any official information other than what everybody else has. But if 9-11 happened the way it said it happened, then the most important man in the United States, in the history of the United States, has to be Payne Stewart. And I say that because, do you know who Payne Stewart is? No, sir. Payne Stewart was a golfer, a pro golfer who was uh, flew his own private jet. And after he run, won the Ryder Cup, uh, he was flying home and with his flight pan uh, filed with the FAA, and he had a heart attack. So he put his, his jet on um, autopilot, but his jet flew off course. Five minutes after his jet flew off course, the Air Defense Command was in the air with three jets trying to find out what happened to Payne Stewart. Hello? Yes, we're still here. Okay. Uh, now, if a private jet flying off course attracts Air Defense Command, and the only time the United States airspace was attacked and the air defense command not only was not scrambled they were they were missing in action and the only reason for the air defense command to exist is for it to prevent just these kinds of attacks then why wasn't the general called on the uh, on the carpet why weren't heads rolling all over the place because in since the, the US Air Force was established in 1946 and no attack has ever occurred other than this one. And this was the only time Air Defense Command could have uh, saved the United States, and it didn't. So my question back to you is, if the official uh, explanation is as it happened, 
why was Air Defense Command, and oh, by the way, the air traffic controllers asleep at the wheel? Several questions that have yet to be answered, and uh, you had a number of them right on the head. In fact, there were only two aircraft available to protect the entire eastern seaboard of the United States. Ironically, the uh, the Air Defense and the United States Air Force were on a training mission that simulated an attack on major centers with jets flying into um, into large buildings. Mm. So there was mm. a lot of miscommunication and uh, mischatter. Another conspiracy that, that I talk about is the Kennedy assassination. A lot of people say there's a there's a hidden conspiracy behind this as well. Do people create conspiracies or do circumstances create conspiracies? Well you 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 you, you mentioned something very interesting, Rob, in, in, in the Kennedy assassination and I just want before I answer that question I want to mention the fact that very few people realize that there was a trial around the Kennedy assassination. And the trial had to do with one of the so-called plotters. Uh, I think he was a government employee. And it's been so long, I, I, I probably should have done some research. But in the trial, this per particular person was one of the well-known people that were involved uh, claimed that he was being unjustly vilified as one of the uh, government people involved in this assassination. So he, he, so he he actually sued uh, the newspapers that were saying that he had some involvement, and he lost the suit. Hmm. And there was enough information there to suggest that the Warren Commission report, which is which is what most of the conspiracy theorists try to deal with, was absolutely incorrect when it promoted its one uh, single assailant explanation, that in fact there was enough information from this trial, not just the physical evidence, but from the trial itself to, to implicate very high-ranking members of the United States government. What other conspiracy theories are there today that might explain current events? Well, you know, there's the great game. The great game was in the 19th century. And it was basically Imperial Britain mm -hmm. and Imperial Russia. Imperial Britain would do anything it could to protect its interest in India. The East Indian Company, which is just brought untold riches and wealth from India, is the board of directors of the royal family. Hmm. Now, Russia, on the other hand, in the 19th century, had a need for an ice-free port, and it basically saw the Central Asian area as its zone of influence. And it was very concerned by the fact that England, in order to protect its uh, Indian colony, was trying to establish allies in Central Asia. So places like Tajikistan, Tajikistan and Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and the other more familiar stands, which are Afghanistan and Pakistan, were like chess pieces on this great big huge chessboard. 
Now, the rules of the game were very simple. Great Britain and Russia played the same rules. They were trying to get allies. You get one of these rulers or chief, chiefs or kings on your side, and you were loyal to them. And this is the way the great game was played. Stand by, Eugene. You and I have to take a commercial break. Dr. Eugene Stovall is our special guest. www.eugenestovall.com And uh, the good doctor and I return on the other side of this commercial break talking about conspiracies. And if you have a question that you'd like to ask uh, Dr. Stovall, give me a call. 1-877-528-8255. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon, live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Dr. Eugene Stovall is our special guest, www.eugenestovall.com. He is the author of Frank Yerby, A Victim's Guilt, and Blood and Brotherhood, a novel of love in a time of hate. And uh, Dr. Stovall, before we went to the commercial break, we just started talking about uh, how Great Britain and Russia conspired against each other, and uh, and the control was India in a conspiracy. Right. Well, this was known as the Great Game. Now, the Great Game was sort of ended by the First and Second World Wars. Mm-hmm. And the United States, however, was introduced to the Great Game at the... Uh, outset of the Second World War, because Great Britain put the Shah of Iran, who the United States put on the throne, under house arrest and held him all through the war because of the of the the issue of oil. The Iranians then viewed the United States as uh, a better protector in this great uh, conflict. It was known as a great game. Then, then either England or Russia. So they 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 naturally sort of moved toward the United States. They liked their institutions. They liked the idea of democracy. And they even in 1951 instituted a parliament. And the parliament's first act, the person that uh, was elected prime minister, the first act was to nationalize the oil. 
Well, the United States was not really happy with that. I, I don't think they would be. <laughs> and so in 1953, there was a coup. They overthrew the parliament, killed a whole bunch of people, including the prime minister, and told the Shah of Iran he was to have dictatorial powers. He could stay in or they'd get another Shah. The Shah decided he would be the person that would run Iran and allow the United States to continue to have control over Iranian oil. And this situation remained for 20 years into the 1970s, and then two events occurred. One, OPEC was formed, and uh, the Western world was held hostage to these greedy sheiks who uh, wanted to set their own price for oil. And the second thing that happened was that the Iranian government was overthrown by a uh, uh, Islamic fundamentalist. Well, the United States didn't sit still for that, so what they did was to go to Iraq and raise an army, outfit a dictator, give them all the weapons they could have, and, and directed them against Iran. And there was this bloody, horrible uh, war that was battled to a stalemate, and it lasted, you know, some three years. In the meantime, Russia says, Waha, the United States has put a puppet in Iraq, and they're reestablishing a puppet in Iran. So... The great game is on again. We'll put a puppet state in Afghanistan. Well, the United States said that wouldn't happen, and so they raised another group called the Taliban, and they outfitted them, gave them all these weapons, etc., and attacked the Russian puppet government, overthrew the Russian puppet government, and some even say that Russia was so uh, upset and, and demoralized over this defeat that it was it led to the final corrupt. Uh, crumbling of the Russian Empire. So, what we have here is the new gray game. But unfortunately, the new gray game is has one real big difference from the old gray game. The new gray game, the client state is not like the paternalistic uh, Imperial Russia or Imperial England. They kill their young. So all of the allies that the United States established in the great game, Saddam Hussein in Iraq, the Taliban, uh, even to a certain extent, the uh, this fellow, what's his name, Bin Laden, mm -hmm. all of these folks, and not to mention others, have been knocked off, bumped off, either complicit with the United States or with them not caring. Even Benazir Bhutto, who's, who goes to Pakistan to try to aid in this new great game situation, is clearly sent to to her death. So there is this real significant difference between the old great game, which went on from for for almost a half a century, and the new great game, which which is going to be very short because there's no loyalty here. No one can trust anyone. And this is the land of Genghis Khan and the Golden Horde and uh, Miwan and Kandahar and all of that and all of these these great huge battles that took place throughout history, which the, our planners here in the United States don't seem to be aware of. Um, one all all one has to do is read Herodotus and understand what they're up against. But so it seems that we had Russia and the United States playing 
these these countries and these people and these dictators as puppets. Exactly. There's nothing new there. No. What is new is that there is this this uh, shall we say Machiavellian uh, cant that the United States brings to 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 the table. For example, I mean, the United States and its Congress and its presidents declares that the Panama Canal should be, should return to the Panamanian government. Right. And this is a political issue. It's a, uh, you know, a treaty assignment and all that. Oh, a new administration comes in and says, well, we're not going to have that happen. And because of the former dictator that we supported is in power and we're going to turn on him, make him the bad guy, make him look like he's a whatever, mm-hmm. and destroy that country and then renege on the treaty. So the United States has, has, has used this as a policy in Central America very often. A lot of the dictators that they supported and trained, they, they, they helped overthrow. Even in, in Vietnam, you know, the war didn't really get going good until um, the CIA had uh, Diem assassinated. Yeah. So this, this uh, geopolitical stance that the United States has taken, uh, I think, is going to not serve them real well in Central Asia. It won't serve them as well in Central Asia as it serves in, in South America. I think that there, uh, there are people that would probably be most likely to be uh, friendly and, and sympathetic to the United States' interests but because uh, whoever turns out to be their friends wise up in the morgue, I don't think you know <laughs> you're going to have a lot of people volunteering. No, that's not a very nice place to uh, attend. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free. Doctor Eugene Stovall's our special guest. He's the author of Frank Yerby, A Victim's Guilt, and Blood and Brotherhood: A Novel of Love in a Time of Hate. And, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh, Frank Yerby. A victim's guilt. Who was Frank Yerby? Frank Yerby was a black man. Uh, he wrote 33 novels. Four of the novels were made into Hollywood movies. Of those 33 novels, he sold close to over 60 million books worldwide. Wow! In 30 some odd country and 20 several 20 different languages. But. Black folks don't know who Frank Yerby is. He, he is not uh, talked about in black bookstores. His books aren't sold there. He, they don't talk about him in black studies department. Why not? Uh, that's, that's an excellent question. No one knows why. Uh, when I w- was asked to write his biography, uh, I couldn't get the family to cooperate. I receive a lot of uh, calls and emails from people in Europe, as a matter of fact, who remember Frank Yerby. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, one person from Spain sent me a a interview that Yerby did with a Spanish newspaper, which I had translated. And it's interesting that Yerby says that he was uh, working for the WPA, which was the Roosevelt New Deal program. A lot of black writers and other writers were, were uh, uh, funded by the government to to write in this writer's work. Langston Hughes and some others were involved. But Yerby in his this article, which was probably the last one he did before he died, was written in about 1985, 
said that when he was with the writers, Federal Writers Workshop, his primary responsibility was to provide information and intelligence in similar, like being a spy, on the black Muslims. Now that's interesting. Now who placed him there? Who put him in? Was it the CIA? Was it... Well, there's nothing... Well, the CIA, of course, didn't exist at that time. Right. But there were... You know, it, it, it does that the people within the federal government at the time, Roosevelt and Deal, was put in there. The interesting thing about Yerby, however, is all his books are written in a way, he calls them costume novels, and in a way they, they mask his, his, the information that he's giving. So, so one book he wrote was uh, The Serpent and the Staff. He predicts the fact that the dikes are going to fail in New Orleans. And th- he wrote this book in the 1950s, and it was, of course, a, a prediction that came true with Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. His last book, Mackenzie's Hundred, written in 1985, actually tells you as much as you want to know about the skull and bones. And no one at that time... That I know of, I didn't know anybody that was talking about the skull and bones, and and it's it's uh, Machiavellian uh, intrigues. Skull and bones, one of the most secret organizations. Exactly, one that I believe that the president belongs to. That's right, as well as his father. Your second book is entitled. Blood and Brotherhood, a novel of love in a time of hate. Tell us a little bit about that book. Well, the book actually was generated because of my interest in all of the race riots that were taking place at the end of the First World War. There was what was called Red Summer of 1919, where... All over the country, uh, black communities were being, black people were being murdered, hung, and, and their land, they were driven off the land. In Georgia, it was a, uh, the estimate was that some 1,200 acres of land a month were lost to black people just simply by the Klan coming in and driving them off the land. Either you leave or you get lynched. Uh, now, but my main concern about uh, these lynchings that were occurring in after the First World War was driven by the clear interest that the United States Army had in trying to get them back on the farm. The problem being, in their mind, black people had black men, 200,000 black men in, in uniform had been sent to Europe to kill whites. What are you going to do with them when they come back to the United States? They were very, very concerned that these soldiers who had learned to do battle would do battle in the United States. And they were so concerned that there were all of these Machiavellian kinds of plots and things that were done against black people. And so my book actually follows uh, the exploits or the uh, activities of this World War I veteran who uh, comes out of the army um, and is is uh, uh, 
his only job that he can get is a messenger with some high, and the other messengers were high school kids. And then he gets uh, a, a position with the uh, Marcus Garvey's UNIA. And a friend of his uh, is a, a government agent and, has, and comes and wants him to turn information. And the whole story is about how the government spied on uh, the UNIA and, and other organizations and how the Ku Klux Klan was behind that. And ultimately my characters are, are uh, have to run, <laughs> flee, flee New York. And then I have this love interest with this Jamaican woman, and they both have to flee New York, and uh, they go to Los Angeles, which is the home of my family. And in Los Angeles, uh, very few people know that there were, were some courageous black people there that fought the Klan. The Klan... Uh, threatened the Los Angeles black community with a Tulsa solution. They said that they were going to actually come into Los Angeles and do to the to the what uh, the the Central Avenue neighborhood the same thing that they did in Tulsa. Doctor, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Doctor Eugene Stovall is our special guest. Once again, explanation: the name of his two books, Frank Yearby, A Victim's Guilt. And Blood and Brotherhood, a novel of love in a time of hate. His website, www.eugenestovall.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on the Talkstar Radio Network. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. 
Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. Uh, in the next hour, we have Elizabeth Joyce joining us. She's going to be doing psychic readings for the Exxon Nation. And then in hour number four, we have astrologer Chris Flisher, who will be on doing astrological readings for you tonight. And if you'd like to talk to either one of our last two guests tonight, who are going to, you know, Elizabeth Joyce, she joins us on a regular basis here doing psychic readings, and Chris Flisher, internationally known um, astrologer, if you'd like to get either a psychic reading or an astrological reading, all you do is you pick up that phone and dial one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. That's toll free at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Doctor Eugene Stovall is our special guest this hour. www.eugenestovall.com. And first of all, Doctor, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and it's been a delight for me. It's been an enriching hour with with so much history, and I want to thank you very much for uh, for joining us. You're quite welcome. Um, we talk a lot on this on this program about conspiracies, uh, conspiracy theories, and I, I guess one of the ones that that we focus on is the UFO conspiracy, where the government has knowledge of UFOs, that uh, they've done the reverse engineering of of the UFOs, and that the aliens are here. The government knows about it, but they're not they're not letting the public know. Personally, I don't believe it because if Bill Clinton cannot have an affair with Monica Lewinsky in the most secure building in the United States without the world finding out. How in the name of heaven are you going to hide a UFO and, and three aliens? You know, I, I, it, it makes no sense. But what I have found, and I don't know if this is, you know, if this is the same throughout the conspiracy world, that those who talk about the conspiracies and keep the conspiracy alive are those who are making most money by keeping the conspiracy alive. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm, I have a, a completely different view of the UFO uh, space thing. As a matter of fact, my son and I have, have a lot of arguments. My son is just graduating from getting his master's at John Hopkins. And mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm I'm quite proud of him, but we we kind of go at each other. <laughs> <laughs> the the take I have on conspiracy as far as the spaces we've got about thirty that, seconds. There is no space. That in fact there there never was space. There's no such thing as space travel. That mm-hmm. if you look at the if if you think of the moon being some trillion tons of weight, and it circles the Earth. And it doesn't deviate, and there's there, the scientific uh, precision instruments can 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 tell you where the moon's going to be within a a, a a nat's eyelash. Then there must be something keeping it there. And if there's something keeping all that weight in in an, in an orbit, then there's obviously nothing that can go from this Earth to that moon that can penetrate something that can keep. Trillions of tons. I, I hate to do this because I, I love the way this is going. I'd love to have you back on so we can continue this in the future. Sure. Doctor, Stan, thanks very much for joining us. Take care of yourself and um, keep those conspiracies coming. I'll be back on the other side.